Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On this week's show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, is going to join me. We will talk recruiting uh, pretty extensively. A little bit of Andrew Nimhard, Team Canada. Isaiah Stokes transferring to Memphis, maybe. Uh, we'll also get into the Orange Bowl Classic game with Utah State. Kind of put a bow on what we think of Florida's schedule, uh, which is really good. Um, so we hope that you will enjoy the show. And thanks, everybody, that keeps dropping those uh, ratings on iTunes. We really appreciate them. Um, we're sorry for the sound difficulty we had a couple shows ago. I hope we've got all that cleaned up. And um, hopefully this uh, pod, you know, gets you, gets you fired up and helps carry you into the first football game week of the year, which is next week. Our first segment on this show is Eric Fawcett and I talking about Andrew Nimhard and his experience with Team Canada. He's uh, playing for Nick Nurse, who, you know, regardless of what you think of him as a coach, he's uh, the head coach of the reigning NBA champion, Toronto Raptors. So a pretty cool chance for for Andrew. And I just wanted to uh, get Eric's thoughts on what he's seen with Andrew and Team Canada. He's been able to, uh, to play in a couple exhibitions so far against Nigeria, who's um, was a pretty good team, actually. Like, uh, they've done well, kind of historically internationally they've got a couple nba guys um so it was uh yeah it was a good quality of competition and it was just good to see to see nemhart out there with some uh, uh some nba talent of course canada has been um ravaged by people um you know a lot of the nba talent saying no and and withdrawing just like uh, the american team but uh but yeah there's still obviously some really good players and then andrew nemhart worked really really well with uh with kem birch particularly um a big man from the orlando magic um, and, uh, the, but I think the biggest thing is, uh, is just the fact that Andrew Nemhart, um, in the fourth quarter of this, of uh, the first game, he had eight points and hit all the shots he took. He also had some, uh, uh some big free throws he had to take, uh, late in the fourth quarter and he hit them. But, um, wh- what was just most special for me was to, um, uh, was just to see him, uh, to, yeah, to see him knock down some shots. And, uh, that was something that, um, uh, I'm writing, um, a piece on Florida's backcourt for, uh, the Lindy's kind of college basketball preview this year. And uh, one thing that Darius Nichols told me I, when I asked for some um, some comments just about uh, I, I just asked what like what can you uh, what has been added most to Andrew Nemhart's game and the, and he said it was shot making and uh, to see him playing for uh, playing for Canada um, he's making shots and I think that that's uh, you know obviously that's something that he didn't do at a high high level last year at least um, he was able to catch and shoot well but other than that he wasn't. Uh, wasn't an individual creator and um, to see him do that. And then um, like you were mentioning that he's playing for Nick nurse, Nick nurse in a press conference said that, um, yeah, he's getting to where he wants to go and he's, and he's creating individual offense. So I think that that is uh, very exciting just because we know he can pass the ball. Um, but if he can, uh, if he can go in and get his own bucket, that makes him extremely dangerous. Well, we're going to look forward to your piece and Lindy's. And now I know which preseason magazine I'll buy, uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, that was what raised my eyebrows in the Toronto Star piece was the the comments by Nurse about him. Oh, he's a guy who can go get his shot, and I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> he is. Um, so, so because we've all heard and we've seen with our eyes, like he has the quiet confidence that you want. Um, he lets the game come to him, uh, which you want. And, you know, Andrew really rarely forces anything, uh, but it was always that that last piece, you know, can he make defenses respect his ability to score? Yeah, and, like, I mean, talking about Nick Nurse and his comments, uh, I, I would probably have to guess that Nick Nurse has seen Andrew Nemhart play zero college games um, just because, you know, he's busy coaching a champion and he lives in Canada where, you know, you really got to grind uh, <laughs> to get your uh, college content. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, for him to say that that Andrew Nemar could go get his own shot, I, I think that that is uh, that that must be the sample size that he has seen in this summer, and I think that, that is really exciting. And uh, I mean, I'm sure it's what uh, what Andrew Nemhart has really been working on. I mean, um, I'm sure that's kind of what he uh, what he got told going through the NBA draft process, and I'm sure you know he's an incredibly smart player. I think he just knew what his next evolution um, of the game was. But uh, I, I mean, if he can. Uh, if he can hit, you know, one or two shots off the dribble a game or 
uh, enough to keep defenses honest or uh, his his ability to blow by someone, take contact and, and finishes a little bit better than it was last year. I mean, uh, the, there's still there's still part of me that looks at Florida's really talented roster and still says like, well, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to be like lethal offensively. But I mean, if Andrew Nemhart's hitting shots, um, it, it very well could be. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have games where they're pretty devastating. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm certainly with you. I, you know, I wish that there were more wings. Like, I'm not sure. I have questions about, even with Kerry Blackshear and Scotty Lewis, I still have some questions about whether or not they'll get to the free throw line as much as I'd like them to. I, I don't know. Uh, it'll certainly be better than it was last season um, in that regard, but that's not a high bar. Um in terms of just getting to the stripe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, how jump shot reliant are they going to be? And how open are those jump shots if Blackshear's in foul trouble? Uh, is Are questions that, that Nimhar developing offensively can kind of help answer, aren't they? And I think the other thing that I'd add on the nurse comments is it's not just Team Canada reps. Like he's, that's one of the teams that Andrew had an individual workout for. Oh, great point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And uh, yeah, I would say so. This, yeah, the sample size of Andrew Nemhart uh, hitting shots is probably larger than just the camp. So that's a that's a really good point, Neil. I didn't think about that. So um, yeah, if there's any takeaways um, from from you know the two exhibition games versus Nigeria that I watched from from comments from Nurse, uh, yeah, I do think it's it's pretty obvious that it's uh, yeah it's Andrew Nemhart hitting shots. <laughs> so sticking with the the 2018-19 roster the other like bit of news this week I guess is the Isaiah Stokes situation where uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on a player who's no longer with the program but uh, it does look like he's going to transfer to Memphis you you have any thoughts on that I mean it's kind of surprising to be honest yeah I I think it's pretty interesting I I think that um, obviously at this point in the in the summer uh, if you know they've got open scholarships and, and a local guy like Isaiah Stokes is uh um, probably, I guess, more desirable than someone not from the city. And, and I mean, he played for, for Penny uh, earlier in his, in his high school career. So there's probably a connection there. And um, yeah, I mean, it does feel weird to talk about just because it just, it, it, I think anything I have to say probably just sounds like I'm, you know, kicking him, not even on the way out. I mean, he's already gone. But one of the things that was uh, mentioned by the, uh, the athletic writer from Memphis, who I do, I do not remember um, their name. I, I, that is my bad. I, wish I could credit properly, but um, <laughs> just mentioned that Isaiah Stokes is in, is in like the best shape of his life, which, um, which is really good for Isaiah Stokes, but there's still a pessimistic side of me. That's like, well, you know, if he goes on the team, he's still over a calendar year away from playing a game. So due to redshirt rules. So do I believe that he's going to stay in that shape for over a year while still, especially without the carrot of being like, Hey, um, you know, you've got a game coming up, you know, can he maintain that shape for over? Doesn't have a game to kind of like amp himself up to because for two years in Florida, he wasn't able to. So um, there is part of me that just wonders if, uh, uh, yeah, if that's going to be the case. But um, at the same time, I, I definitely um, anticipated him going to a, a lower, um, lower league than that league and certainly a, a less quality team than Memphis. So uh, that'd be really good for him. Yeah, I think it's John Martin, I think is the athletic mm. uh, Memphis writer. No, no promises on that to anyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's, I don't think that they'd get a waiver for him. So um, there's kind of two schools of thought. One, it's local, and Penny knows him from from uh, the team Penny AAU circuit, right? And the other one is they're going to lose Achua and Wiseman to the NBA uh, almost inevitably. I mean, I – can't, I guess there's a world where maybe Precious Achua comes back, but that's like the same world that Scotty Lewis comes back, right? <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, he'd have a chance to start, I guess, for Memphis in 2020. Um, and, you know, Mike Miller made some comments so we could go at 24-7 about their philosophy, and Miller kind of referenced that, like Billy Donovan, he'd like to have some guys that were older around the program. Um, so, you know, maybe he checks that box too. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I certainly don't think he's leaving for the draft early. So <laughs> um, he, could, he could get old there. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I, I definitely, he definitely had some believers within the Florida fan base. There's no question. There's probably some listening, uh, listening here. So uh, maybe, yeah. So I'm sure that uh, uh, if he does go to Memphis, I think it would be really interesting to see what he does accomplish because obviously Memphis is looking like a, a new powerhouse and I don't think that's going to change in, in the next couple of years when, when Stokes would be there. So uh, it would be something interesting to watch. And I, I do wish him the best for sure. And, and like I said, if he, if he is in the best shape of his life, like, like people are, are mentioning, I, I hope he's able to, to stay like that because, because uh, I do think it'll be tough, but um, I, I do think that, uh, like I said, I mean, I feel weird saying, so I feel like I don't have much, much positive to say, but, but I mean, I, I think, like, I think I mentioned on this podcast, uh, he's not someone that I think I, I'm ever going to be like l- looking back on and saying like, Oh man, like Florida lost a, a good one. Like how could they let this slip through their fingers? Right. Um, but yeah, if he goes to Memphis, I, uh, I guess maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, well, at, at a minimum, he'll be a guy that gets to play in the NCAA tournament in college or, or at least be on a team that's in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, you know, I, I hope it works out. And, and uh, if it does, that that's great. And we'll look forward to seeing what he does there. Um, I guess the kind of putting the bow on the uh, current roster. Uh, I had a couple summer ball notes. I don't know, you know, what Eric has, has done. I've talked to a couple people that are in the program uh, in the last week because I knew – I figured we'd do a show with Rob Duster this week and that didn't work out. We will get back with Rob uh, in September or even later this month. Um, So that'll be great. But in terms of summer ball, one guy that everybody mentioned was Omar Payne, um, which is encouraging Eric. Uh, People are kind of talking about how Omar has been really productive in, in scrimmages, Omar practices at a high level. Uh, some people are kind of surprised at, at, at how skilled he is uh, a little more skilled than I guess was anticipated coming in. Not that he, this is, I mean, we're, look, we're not talking about somebody that's going to come in and start blow everybody away. Uh, but the comparison I keep getting is Kavarius Hayes, but with higher upside as a freshman, which to me is significant just considering that, you know, by the time Kavarius Hayes was a sophomore, he was a really important player on a team that was in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at even just the recruiting rankings of of what Payne was rated and, and what uh, Kavarius Hayes was rated, I mean, it would kind of make sense that, you know, Payne would be, like, just a little bit better. And uh, one thing about Payne, and I mean, obviously, it's kind of – this is a small amount of, of, of video, small amount of film, but I would say Omar Payne is probably the biggest star of the, like – coach white mic'd up videos that the gator social media have put out <laughs> um uh just him ducking the ball the reactions that um uh that white has had to him doing stuff but i mean he looks really fluid in these like really short clips and and um just like showing a lot of touch and a lot of uh, a lot a lot more fluidity than i i ever really saw at, at montford but um like, like i mentioned to you i mean uh, i i do uh you you saw more than i did so i i definitely uh any, anything about what he did in high school, I, I take your opinion over mine. But uh, yeah, but these uh, these uh, videos that obviously the Gator social media have been posting, the mic'd up <laughs> Coach White, are, are awesome. And, and I think that, uh, that, uh, that Payne has been kind of the, uh, um, yeah, kind of the star of those. And I think, that, uh, I, I think that it's got me thinking that, yeah, like just to see the way he's moved, the way people talk about him, that he could be someone getting a, uh, maybe getting a book of the backup four uh, minutes behind, uh, behind Keontae Johnson. Um, so I, I was going to ask you, Neil, do you think, uh, is that something that's kind of in your mind now? Do you see him taking a uh, kind of the primary role as the backup four? Do you see him, um, get maybe slipping ahead of some of those guys in the five to play the backup five or, or what are you thinking? Like, how is this, uh, news about pain, uh, kind of shifted the way you've thought? I just think it gives you more flexibility with, with Keontae, um, first and foremost, because, uh, and, and I'll come back to this point in a second, but the other guy that people have talked about the only other name that everyone mentioned of, and I say everyone, I, and I talked to two people, but both people, both people mentioned Omar Payne, both people mentioned Dante Bassett. Um, Just talking about productivity, infectious leadership, uh, just how hard they work Um, with Dante, to be quite honest. And I think Eric feels this way too. Like I almost am not surprised by that. Like, I don't think, ever would be a question about Dante's effort. I think it's always a skill question um, to be blunt. Uh, but I think Dante's going to get his minutes. It's just that we're going to like what we get because in the eighth, ninth minute, 
eighth, ninth man role, he can really uh, play super hard for 10 to 12 a game and not worry about it, right? Um, with, with, with Omar, maybe you can get him in there where, where he's the four. You can slot Keontae to the three if you want. It gives you some options with what you do at the two. Um, so, you know, I kind of like that the way that that downstream affects Florida's rotation is, is really nice. And if, if that's a role that Payne can, can dive into great. And then I obviously think depending on Gorjak guess Gaxel, uh, you know, he's, he's going to offer minutes at the five too. Well, I, I think that's, uh, you know, when we talked about this early in the off season about who we thought that would be the best, uh, the best option at backup center, I, I, I believe we both said, get said Gak. I think you said Gak at first. And then I had to write my article when I looked at the numbers and then I ended up agreeing with you after I think I might've said Bassett at first, but uh, I, I mean, if we're talking about, um, you know, Omar Payne is a winner of the off season based off like, you know, 90 second videos on Twitter. <laughs> um, I think someone who probably has, uh, I don't want to say lost the off season. That's far too strong wording, but uh, I mean, I think it's Korjok gap just because it sounds like it. Um, just because, um, and I forget, I know, Neil, you were at one of the, the kind of Coach White Gator events when he was traveling to state. But um, a, a couple times um, he was kind of quoted as saying, um, one, he's not sure just like how much the team loves contact, um, which is not, not just Gak. Um, but then he kind of, in another one, definitely said that Gak does not like contact. Um, that, and, you know, I, I don't know how to take that anyway other than... Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then the other thing that happened, of course, was, you know, he was told, he was said to be totally healthy, um, which he was from all accounts, uh, but he's already got banged up and kind of uh, got some kind of light injuries already. So um, I think you see that he's already kind of s- struggling with injuries. Um, he got called out for not being, um, I don't say he got called out. He got mentioned as, as not loving physicality, just when, when asked about Gak. And, uh, and earlier coach white said that the team needed to be more physical. And I think that you look at Dante Bassett who um, loves physicality and that's something that coach white has talked about a lot. And I think that uh, you put all these things together and it's looking like he might be the best option at the backup five. And uh, like you were saying, just about like maybe not being surprised about um, Bassett kind of uh, having a good summer so far is, I mean, Bassett has gotten better every single year. Like if nothing else, you look at, um, just the things he's added to his game. And I think he's shown improvement every single year so far. So uh, it kind of makes sense that he would keep that trajectory. So um, I I would say, I I would say that my kind of perception has shifted to say like, Hey, I think I do think Dante Bassett's going to be someone who plays a lot at the backup five over, over Gak right now on my kind of depth chart. And uh, you know what, Florida, I I think when Florida just obviously it has to play small for, for so long over these last two years, I think the option of playing, um, pain at the four might like be really enticing. And I think he can play there. So I think that there will be some, uh, some desire to play bigger than they have in the past. And uh, I think we'll see that a little bit, but um, also like you mentioned, if we can ever get um, Keontae Johnson at the three in some of these matchups where other teams have really, you know, good quality threes, I think that'd be really good. Yeah. And I mean, look, I wouldn't knock the, uh, what we're drawing from, social media videos approach too much since the, the <laughs> videos are kind of what made me ask, you know, I mean, I basically had two staffers, an assistant coach and a staff member giving, giving Florida basketball hours, some inside, some inside info. And uh, just interesting that an assistant coach isolated two players. Uh, another guy that, that one mentioned was Keontae and they just said, um, it's just night and day from like last November to now, like Keontae comes every day, smile on his face. Let's get to work. Let's go. Apparently as a guy that Scotty Lewis has really gravitated towards, um, you know, cause we always talk about Lewis's leadership, you know, and you wonder like, well, who leads Lewis? It appears like the early leader in the clubhouse in summer ball for that role is it's Keontae Johnson. Uh, that, that key is the guy who gets on Scotty when he made some, makes a mistake um, you know, if you read the great Sam Bacini article at the athletic on Scotty Lewis, you know, that Scotty gets on himself when he makes mistakes too. But, uh, apparently, yeah, I mean, like Scotty have a live ball turnover and Keontae is up in his face, like just talking about making the simple pass and, and stuff like that. So, um, all that's promising. The one question I wanted to ask you from a coaching standpoint, before we move on to, uh, recruiting, which I know our listeners are pumped about, um, is how much do you think some summer ball without Andrew Nimhart helps the team? 
Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think that obviously the team was just so reliant on Andrew Nembhard last year um, as someone who needed the ball in his hands a lot. Um, the offense didn't work, um, didn't work very well at all uh, when he was on the bench. And I think that, yeah, it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting when he's not there to kind of uh, quarterback things on the court and he can't be just calling everything out. So I, 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 you obviously look as well at the fact that they do have two kind of freshman point guards in, in, in Glover and Matt. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously giving them a chance to kind of run things. But I also look at the fact that, uh, um, that, that they played a little bit more of the Princeton offense, uh, which I, I really do hope they, they continue. Uh, I'm a fan of that over, over motion offense. And, uh, and that is pretty reliant on, on the bigs making, making passes and making reads. And um, I, I, yeah, I just do think that Andrew Nemhart was such a smart player and, and probably, uh, probably at times uh, covered up some mistakes just with his, uh, leadership or just the fact that he had the ball in his hands a lot or you know within a lot of the Princeton um, sets he was the one who was setting a lot of the key screens um, a lot of those kind of key back screens or yeah. like chin screens for for bigs to dive down um, which I'm sure is something they well I hope is something they do they're going to be doing a lot for for Kerry Blackshear um, so yeah just getting other people in those roles uh, that certainly helps so um, I don't even know we had a we'll do that later we're going to come back to Tanner Lefevre's listener question since he was so polite about asking it. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, I think we both saw, I think we both, we both uh, favored it. So we should probably answer his, his question. Let's just do it now and then we'll do recruiting. Um, who's the best athlete on the current roster, Eric? Lewis, Keontae, Payne, or Daruji? Oh. I, I struggle with this one. Um, I think that's um, like, I mean, this also gets into a really interesting kind of question of just like what things you, you value most in athleticism. Right. I mean, I drew you would be the, the purest leaper. Um, I, I believe um, unless, you know, his, his vertical has, has gotten less than it was last year. Um, but I think that's uh, I think that's, uh, you know, watching Drugi's film, um, not like obviously not a bad defender or anything like that. We're still a really good defender. Um, but I, when I look at athleticism too, I, I do think a lot about like the hip flexibility, the, uh, the ability to move side to side and kind of the lateral burst. And I think I see Keontae Johnson as, as a little more fluid than that, um, than Drugi in that area. Um, while obviously still being an explosive leaper as well. So, so I, th- and also with, with Scotty Lewis, um, um, obviously a really good athlete. Um, I'm not, I'm just not sure if he, um, I'm not sure if he outleaps either of the other two guys and I'm not sure if, uh, uh, he, he might be the best perimeter defender out of them. Um, but is, uh, you know, at his size kind of like pound for pound, I'm not sure if he's, uh, better than Keontae Johnson necessarily. So, so I would say Keontae Johnson, but as my answer to the most athletic player on the roster, but like, uh, you could say any, any one of those three. And I don't think I'd have any, any gripes. With yeah. It. I'm going to go Keontae Johnson, but shout out to the, uh, Alicia Longworth and the, and the Gator social media team again. A, a, a popular topic on today's pod um, <laughs> because really uh, it, you couldn't blame someone for picking Scotty Lewis based on the frame picture that we saw this week of, of him going through the <laughs> contact trail. And like, if you had told me on frame one that he was going to finish that dunk, I would have probably laughed at you. No. Yeah. No, I, I would have thought no chance. So, uh, how nice will it be for Florida to have someone who can really finish through contact? Well, did I say that out loud? But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, it, let's right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see. Like again, I this I think this measure is overrated when it comes to like ranking athletes in terms of just like max vertical. Because I think so many people look at just like the max vert rating and say like, Oh, who, you know, whoever leaps the highest is the best athlete. Uh, but I would love to see the, uh, I would love to see the, uh, the vertical leap numbers from those three, uh, just out of curiosity. Um, but, uh, Hey, we'll also see, uh, we'll see once we get to, uh, to really see Scotty Lewis play and, you know, in a, in a year we'll get to see Daruji as, as well. And to see what, uh, what a redshirt year and a year with Preston green, who, um, also had a very good mic'd up, uh, social media. That was my post. favorite one. Um, let's see what he has. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. That was my favorite one. I love, I love that he was ripping on Quest Glover for for gaining five pounds and taking his shirt off. Yeah, I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I'm also like 
terrified of Preston Green. Like I just I find him to be a very intimidating person. <laughs> so getting to hear the uh, the light sidedness of uh, uh, of that was was good. While also obviously bringing uh, you know a lot of just like the things he said, like uh, the way he encouraged was also really yeah. cool. But uh, yeah, so every everything it was really good. Yeah, it was great. Um, on Florida's schedule. Uh. Our next segment is a deep dive into Florida recruiting. Florida's 2020 board is really uh, started to be crystallized, kind of taking shape. We all know about PJ Hall. We're all hopeful about PJ Hall, but um, plenty of other visits scheduled and and visits are possible. So we're going to dive into each of those players. So we're going to talk recruiting. Um, we talked about P.J. Hill, not really much to add there. He'll be here on his official visit in September. Um, I mean, he's lined them all up, so we won't get the commitment we had hoped to get early on him uh, after that visit either. Some guys have visited. Uh, the first of those that we're going to talk about is uh, four-star power forward Matt Cross. Um, he's a little undersized, Eric, but he's pretty much a consensus top 100 player. Uh, very skilled, really uses his his uh, athletic advantages in terms of quickness to to you know offset his lack of elite size. I guess um, he had twenty three points and nine rebounds at in a final at the prestigious uh, Nike EYBL event in Indianapolis. Um, the one thing I'd say here is that if you look at only at percentages this summer, you'd think that he's not a great shooter. He didn't shoot a real high percentage. Um, but I'd add that his teams were kind of bad. Like they were the only team in, in, in the EYBL event in Indy to not win a game. Um, on video, he has a nice jumper, I think. So I'm a little less concerned about his shooting. The Gators did get him to visit. They got in late in this recruitment. Um, and the thinking in most circles now is that really it's Florida's right there with uh, Indiana and South Carolina. He did say this week that he won't visit any more schools after his Texas A&M visit, that they'll be his last visit August 28th. And so uh, he expects to commit in September somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, I mean, I didn't think I had any PJ Hall takes, but uh, PJ Hall said a couple of times that he was going to commit before his senior year of high school started. So it is actually interesting that his, um, uh, you know, that he's has visits planned into the fall. So he's definitely not committing before uh, um, yeah. Before, so that is interesting, and um, you know, for people who thought that, uh, like myself, who thought that Florida was, you know, maybe a clear leader, um, things being pushed back, uh, maybe not the the best sign, not necessarily a bad sign, but uh, uh, maybe a sign he's not so certain. But anyways, uh, Matt Cross, um, uh, hey, another guy. Right, let's bring it back to PJ Hall, another guy that South Carolina is in on, which is interesting because uh, South Carolina has had a good chance with uh, with a few good guys like this recently, and, and hasn't been able to close. So it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, what South Carolina does, but in terms of Matt Cross's game, I, I do find it a little bit um, uh, uh, interesting, I guess, just because uh, the fact that he is rated so high by the recruiting services, despite uh, being undersized and um, not, not explosive for sure. He is quick, like you mentioned, Neil, but uh, people must really like him just because you don't normally see guys that are as undersized as him. Like, I, I mean, he's listed at six, seven two twenty five at least on his recruiting page on 24 seven. But uh yeah, I just see him, and, and I don't think he looks that big. Like I, I don't think, I don't he's, think six, he's. I don't think he's six seven. I don't think he's two twenty five. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there's part of me that even wonders if, um, you know, I'm sure he would like to be a, a a wing and to see the way the way that he plays. And I, I do wonder if some teams um, see him as someone that you maybe play at the three in, instead of the four. But uh, and then yeah, I see I see his jump shot. Um, uh, a bunch of the the stuff I saw, like uh, some of his jump shots look good. Um, a lot of them look really bad, but still, you know, go in obviously because, you know, you're watching the, the highlights, but to see his numbers concern me a bit. Um, but then, like you said, his team on the EYBL wasn't great. And then if you ever watch some of his kind of high school games, um, some of the teams he was playing was just not, not good at all. And, and um, yeah, so I, I did find his stuff to be a little confusing, but um, there's people who um, have watched a lot more of him than I, I did and, and they really like him. So uh, really interesting kind of group of schools, I, I would say. Um, he definitely just strikes me as a, as a, as a big, te- a big Teddy type player. Uh, but yeah, South Carolina or Florida or Texas a and I'm getting in. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, he's a four-year guy. Um, you know, 
I don't think he's necessarily a five-year guy, but he's definitely a four-year player if, if he comes to Florida, which is a little different than um, one of the other – you know, that's a little different than Hall, who maybe projects – who could be a three-year player, potentially. Um, but, but you know, I don't think we, we totally know that. Uh, another guy that visited is, is uh, Niles Lane. Um, Florida made his top seven just before he visited. And I think he's going to stay in the Northeast, Eric. But I know there are some people on on that do some interacting with Florida basketball hour on Twitter that really like his game. So, uh, you know, I don't, Florida certainly will need wings. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's someone that's uh, uh, it, it would be interesting to see how Florida has kind of like stayed in the mix. And there's been a couple people in, in their recruiting process that have, have been just like very sure of Florida's chances. So. Uh, it could be another one that uh, uh, I don't know, like a Jason Jatobo, where the, like the where Florida was always like in the picture. No one ever really thought they were favorites um, until they landed him. So you know that could happen. Um, something that I you know I really like him just because uh, he has a reputation of being a really good defender. Um, which I, again, I, I will leave that reputation to um, you know to people who have watched him more, and uh, I'll trust it. Um, but if he really is a really good defender, which I believe he is, and then you look at his numbers and, and when I watch, I've watched him play in a couple of games. And I mean, he's like, well, I'm not going to say he's an elite score. He's got like a decent feel for the game offense. Like he's not like a, a nothing on offense. So, um, you know, I see a guy that's a, a decent offensive player with just um, can kind of play within a, a team system and do well, but then be a really good defender on the other side. And um, for those reasons, I mean, I can see why he's a, he's a really good player and I could see why Florida would be really interested. So, Billy Donovan used to say that the basketball factory players, it cut both ways. And it was always such like that classic Donovan honesty <laughs> where he was like, well, sometimes it masks a lot of deficiencies because they're at a factory and there's a lot of kids on their team that are good. Um, and so he used to say, I liked the ones from basketball factories where I thought they had excellent coaching. And that's kind of my take on Rosell Catholic. Um, where Lang goes to school. I mean, that school's brought us Nas Reed, Isaiah Briscoe, uh, Jamal Sweeney, if you watch the NBA, uh, plays for the Mavericks, right? Um, so I think they've had – it's a good track record, right? Uh, I thought Mike Rosario went there, but then somebody told me he went to St. Anthony's. Uh, so <laughs> – which, no, which is no longer a thing. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's a good basketball culture that he comes from. So, yeah, it's also part of the reason I think he stays in the Northeast is that they've their last two really elite recruits, other than Nas Reed and the strong ass offer, uh, went to UConn. Yeah, I think the one thing that is interesting too about just uh, about Lane is I think he's just like from Roselle. Um, like I think he was like from there originally. Like he didn't like move to one of these. Uh uh powerhouses which like maybe yeah he's from new jersey right right so i don't know maybe there's there's part of me that um that uh that sees that and i'm like oh yeah like i i I, it just feels a little bit differently than the guys who uh some of the shadier characters that have like moved around the country or played for you know three teams in four years or whatever i mean he's uh yeah he's playing for uh the hometown school which happens to be a, a wonderful basketball school of course um another guy that so that's i think that's the that's like the Oh, Carter Witt visited, and he's a 2021 uh, point guard, another four-star player, consensus top 100 player. There are some whispers of a reclassification thing. The Florida staffer I talked to about him that said the visit went wonderful, um, said that Florida is not interested in him reclassifying and and that they're willing to deal with whatever consequences that might um, result in but they're more interested in him being a 2021 player. They've been pretty forward with him about that. Uh, I'm not crazy about his game, to be honest. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's, well, it's, let's put it this way. It's a little different than what Florida has recruited at that position. Yeah. Fast and loose. Um, he's, right. uh, yeah. I mean, if there's ever going to be a, a white chocolate comparison, I would say that, uh, that Carter <laughs> Witt would be it. Um, so he's a lot of fun. Like I would say that if, if nothing else. Yeah, his um, but videos I mean, were amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he is he is fun to watch, and I mean, he's got pretty good size for a point guard at, at six three. And um, I, I mean, but yeah, just for an example, if I look now, he is um, he's fiftieth in the twenty four seven sports composite for for twenty twenty one. So I mean, if he's fiftieth in in twenty twenty one and he reclassifies, 
I mean, there's no like, you know, exact conversion rate. Um, but you got to think that drops him to, you know, out of the top 100, maybe, or, you know, maybe drop him 30 spots. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, but obviously um, if he is a younger player entering the class, he he's um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's like he's going to have the same, uh, the same impact as if he, you know, if he's the 50th pl- best player and, and stays in 2021 and then he comes in and um, in that class and is a little more effective, but, but yeah, he's a guy who just, um, uh, you know, flashy passes, um, flashy dribble moves, um, shoot off the dribble, um, a little bit loose, I would say with the ball at times. Um, but yeah, he's a lot of fun. So uh, I think that that's part of the reason you see a player like that. And I think that I, you know, I don't know this as a, as fact, but, um, you know, if Florida doesn't like him for 2020, but likes him for 2021, I think it's like, I, I would guess it, it centers at least a little bit around of like, Hey, this guy is, um, uh, pretty loose with the ball right now. I think he could use another year of, of high school basketball to, uh, to kind of tighten things up. But, um, there's definitely intrigue there because, uh, because yeah, he's just got the, uh, some players just have that kind of like schoolyard ability to score the basketball. And I would say he's one of them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so one other official in the works is Cade Cunningham would be October 5th. Auburn. We've talked about him on prior pods. You guys know, I mean, he's the best player in the country, according to some people. Um, <laughs> if they get him on campus, you know, great. Uh, Florida certainly has a, a nice relationship with Montverde. Um, my thought on that is that they're trying to get him on campus with his teammate, Moses Moody, who's a consensus top 50 kid who just transferred to Montverde. And I think Moody's going to get a fifth star, quite honestly. Um, he's exceptionally – Moody is exceptionally long, Eric. He's got a seven-foot wingspan, which is why um, – I read a scouting report this morning that dropped her like a Robert Covington comparison. And I was like, well, he's not six, eight. <laughs> so let's not do that. Um, uh, the, the comparison that 24 seven has is Alan crab, but with defense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I think that's probably more fair. If you watch him on video, he doesn't seem to mind playing defense. I guess that's a good start, but his anticipation is kind of like, He's a step slow sometimes, and then he's just like so long, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, he's not particularly great one-on-one or off the bounce. Uh, I don't think he's an elite athlete, to be honest. I just think he's really long. We talk about how like you don't want to conflate athleticism and length. Um, and so there's that. What his length does help with, Eric, is that because he's not an elite creator, uh, but he can really shoot, right? Um, his yes. length, he doesn't need as much space, right? Um, so that's pretty cool. I'm really excited to see how he does at Montverde, where he's going to have a whole different set of demands. Yeah, I, I do think that when you see a player with that size and the ability to shoot, I would say his his floor is quite high. You know, like there's just always um, places you can kind of make room for those guys. And um, just a quick note, I mean, yeah, we just glanced over Cade Cunningham. Um, just for an example, um, this is something I've not witnessed before. Uh, there are 16 crystal ball predictions for him on uh, 24-7. All 16 of them are in favor of Oklahoma State, um, <laughs> which uh, for those who, who maybe don't know, um, yeah, his brother got hired on the coaching staff there. So uh, many people think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, uh, Gary Parrish on the CBS Sports College Basketball Podcast the other day, um, he mentioned that uh, a coach that's in um, Cade Cunningham's final five um, said they, uh, they're, they, so they made his final five and they're not recruiting him anymore just because they just think it's a, a losing battle and don't want to put any more time towards it. But so Florida, you know what, definitely in a, in, in tough here, but, um, Oklahoma state is a team that, um, you hasn't been great. Um, you know, they, they might make the NCAA tournament this year. Um, but Hey, like I, I here, here's also my thought. I mean, yes, he, his brother got the job at Oklahoma State, and I think that Cade Cunningham might feel the need to to want to go play with them. But at the same time, hey, Cade Cunningham, you already got your brother the job just by being you. Um, they hired him just as a <laughs> chance to get you. So if I'm him, I, I feel like I could go somewhere else and be like, hey, I still got you, <laughs> my brother, a power five job. So whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, Moses Moody. Um, yeah, definitely an interesting player. And I think that you his size with his shooting ability and uh, they have five stars. So I, that would be one I'd, uh, I'd look forward to. I will also say that while I never heard that there, I never heard their name up until any point recently, um, Oregon has really gotten into the mix 
and uh, Oregon does, uh, you know, has a bit of a reputation. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. No, there. I mean, look, the Musselman hire changed the recruiting of Moody a bit, as did his performance this summer. Like I think in May, Florida felt great about their chances here, um, and now I think it's tougher. The two things I think Florida has working in its favor are that he did transfer to Montverde, um, which means now he's down the road. Florida has a great relationship with that staff. I know that for a fact because um, I've talked to Boyle about it. <laughs> so uh, that's from the horse's mouth. But, but yeah, I mean, look, um, it's not, it's not going to be – it's going to be a grueling battle to the end and – if you use Cade Cunningham just to get Moses Moody on campus, you know, or you want Moses to be so comfortable on campus, which is probably more what that's about. Hey, let's bring him with his teammate. Great. You know, I think that's great. Um, so we'll come back to the other three fall visits that are like high profile in a minute. Um, I wanted to talk about others on Florida's board that they might get to visit. And uh, one of those guys is uh, three-star wing Taj Thweet. Uh, another guy from, from Jersey, right? Yes. Uh, he's one that's pretty interesting just because, uh, I, I guess just looking at the fact, like, so he's like someone who is, uh, yeah, three-star and, and not a particularly high three-star, um, but he's got some power five offers with obviously Florida and, and Penn state and, and Illinois, Seton Hall, um, too. Seton Hall. Yeah. Seton Hall. And obviously that would be the, uh, little bit of, uh, yeah, the hometown school. So, uh, yeah, I just think, and a lot of the offers have come in, have come in kind of late. So uh, I think that that's, he saw probably someone that's, that's risen pretty quickly. Um, I haven't had the chance to watch him play. I'm not going to lie to you, but he's got some, uh, some other division one guys on, on his team. And uh, so I think that he, and he's a, he's a really good contributor on a team that already has multiple guys committed to, um, to a few good teams. So I would say that uh, he's probably someone who's pretty interesting. And if nothing else, yeah, he's in that um, six, 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 200 pound, um, kind of mold that, that Florida really needs a guy at. So I could see why they're after it. So I did the, like, I am, if it were an SAT analogy, the analogy would be Eric Fawcett is the Tyree Appleby, what I now am to Tosh Sweet. I love it. Like, I watched at least two hours of Tosh Sweet videos um, scouring the internet. And because I was like, why is Florida – why has Florida been recruiting for almost a year a player who barely cracks the top 300 in the 24-7 composite? Yeah. Um, it, Not rated by 24-7 themselves. Isn't rated by 24-7 themselves. <laughs> isn't rated by ESPN, but has a really interesting offer sheet and is visiting West Virginia this weekend. Um, oh, good point. So here's why. Because he's a, a 6'6 wing who can really play defense. I think that's what I gathered just from watching. He's super active with his hands. Um, you know, just a really terrific perimeter defender on video at the Under Armour event, which is where a lot of the video came from. Um, that's the event where uh, Kareem Mane, the, the Canadian player, looked so amazing. Um, Thweet was really basically the second best player. He had like 20 and 10 in multiple games. Um, so he's a guy that that gets after it on the glass, but, you know, can really get to the basket and score too. Um, I don't know how much it translates for him collegiately. Like his offensive game right now is kind of like, you know, like FSU for years has just had those guys that just kind of barrel their way downhill. Oh yes, And then like they have dudes that can clean it up on the offensive glass. That's kind of what he seems like to me offensively. Um, If they can develop that into a high free throw rate guy, that's terrific. But, Here's what I, I think Eric will appreciate and, and our listeners can kind of put it together. His offer sheet is like all programs where they really want to get after you defensively. Like it, the, the interesting offers are Florida, West Virginia, Seton Hall, Illinois. Like those are four programs, especially with Illinois under new management, where that's kind of the, the idea is to have a defensive identity. Um, and a defensive culture, really get after people in perimeter defense. Uh, so he's a guy that can do all that, and I think that's kind of why Florida was there. Um, but he's definitely a late bloomer. I mean, he didn't have a single rating by any group, even rivals, until last spring. So uh, it's interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. You know, He said he's going to drop a top four, a final four, after his West Virginia visit. 
So we should we <laughs> should get more info on him this week. And if Florida's really involved, I imagine he'll the Gator logo will be on that top four. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, I also look so like I've got this like weird this like weird thing I've noticed over the last two years where every like interesting under the radar player I see has a seat in hall offer. Like it doesn't matter where. And it's like Juco guys, <laughs> um, like low major transfers, just like guys. in the, So I, I think that even Kevin Willard or someone on his staff is like uh, re- really interesting. And, and what's also funny is like seeing Hall like is always one of the first teams in on them and then like has not landed them. So like, uh, which is too bad for him because I really see I really see Kevin Willard and Seton Hall in on a lot of interesting under the radar players, and they're always one of the first teams, and then um, end up missing on the guy, which always sucks for them. But uh, obviously, he's they're 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 the little bit of the hometown school yeah. for 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 three, so it's not like it's like you know they're scouring the country. Um, but yeah, when you were mentioning just like teams that offered him and and how that kind of makes you uh, makes you think about them, um, yeah, I would say Kevin Willard, uh, uh, seeing that he's got that offer, I'm like yeah, and obviously West Virginia. Um, yeah, I think he's really interesting, and that'll be a, be an interesting one to see. We talked about two uh, or there were two other guys that that they may get on campus. One is Keon Ambrose Hilton, a four star power forward, pretty much a consensus top one hundred player on all services. And then another one is uh, a three star wing named Shay Evans, who is another guy that <laughs> doesn't have like a page on a couple places. So it's interesting, like to me, Eric, that where Florida appears willing to to kind of think outside the box is that wing. Yeah. And I, it, which makes sense. Cause I really do need one. And yeah, Che Evans is just tough because I mean, he put out like a top 10 at one point, he put out a top six, he put out a top seven. <laughs> um, he put out a t- like, so he's put out, uh, which I mean, is I feel like the, the concept of putting out these like finalists, I feel like is going to get more and more outdated as yeah. um, just because it, it you know, it used to be that at the point where like Florida right now would have their entire, you know, 2020 class already committed. Um, that's just not the case in, in modern basketball. Like I think it just goes so late into the cycle. So, so players putting out these, you know, top schools, uh, this, you know, the, the spring, bef- like putting out a top five list, the, you know, the spring before their senior year is just, I, I just don't think it's going to keep happening because um, teams are going to get in the mix late, but yeah, teams have really gone in the mix late for, for Che Evans and, um, yeah, Arkansas, who's offered half the country, is in on him. Um, and then he, a bunch of others have kind of gotten late to the kind of like, like middle tier kind of power five teams. So uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, but once again, someone I, I had a little bit of trouble finding um, kind of relevant video on. Um, and then, yeah, Keon Ambrose, um, he's a Canadian. So I've watched him for a really long time. Yeah. I, I would describe him as um, maybe like, like, like a Devin Robinson light. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the explosiveness that Devin Robinson did. Um, but he's got like a lot of the smoothness. And I think that was what made kind of Devin Robinson really interesting is he was like a very smooth athlete until it came to the point where he went to go dunk the ball and then was extremely explosive. But I would say um, without being extremely explosive, um, though he's a decently bouncy, um, he's got a lot of that, that kind of smoothness and he can really shoot the ball well. And uh, so I, I really like Keon Ambrose, um, someone who's uh, listed somewhere between 6'6 and 6'8, depending on where you see, you know, 6'7 sounds about right, but he's long. Um, fluid athlete, and and that's uh, that's why yeah he's a top one hundred kind of four star guy. So uh, Keon Ambrose is another another um, you know a six seven ish um, player that that I do think is is going to become a you know an upperclassman one day. I don't think he's uh, and and I think that there's yeah there's a tough sweet spot right now with these wings that are that size because a lot of them are you know if you're athletic enough you're going to be instantly a five star and probably a one and done just because NBA teams will gamble on on someone who's um, you know, <laughs> athletic and long, um, where I feel like he's just below that level without that explosiveness. Um, also, someone I've been able to speak to a few times, really, really great kid. And uh, that's someone I, I'm not really sure how, yeah, how, how much Florida is in on him. I, I've kind of had uh, been struggling to find out, um, but, I, but I hope they are. Um, so the, the other three scheduled visits, just to wrap that, wrap up our recruiting segment, which we're giving you like half an hour people. I hope you're, you're pumped. You know how, you know how Eric and I don't really get too deep in the recruiting weeds. So (laughs) this is a deep dive for us. Um, Let's just start with, with four-star wing uh, Samson Rusensev, who will visit Florida September 28th. Uh, It's an SEC battle. I think it's Florida and Tennessee. Um, you know, Duster told me he thinks Ole Miss is like really in on this kid. And 
and which is interesting because he just talked to Kermit Davis. <laughs> um, so maybe I'm wrong in thinking it's just it's just Florida and Tennessee. He's a high school teammate of uh, Jason Jatobo, another guy with like in the in the heyday of the mixtape era, like everybody would have loved this guy. <laughs> oh he yeah, just does silly things. Um, he's just a huge leaper. Um, he didn't start playing basketball till he was 13 or 14, so that's kind of interesting. Um, Eric, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, really fun to watch him uh, him dunk on guys. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of once again, he's kind of interesting when you look at different recruiting services. There's kind of uh, uh, the range of like some people have him in the top 50, some people have him in you know 150, and I think that's what you see with some of these guys that are maybe a little bit more um, athletic based right now. Um, but uh, yeah, he seems to he seems to have a good jump shot, and he seems um, really bouncy. And he's obviously he's a wing that so he's a premium position. So. Uh, it's also just an indication of, um, you know, the SEC dominating and recruiting because it just seems like so many of these guys right now, it's, you look at their final schools and it's just SEC, SEC, yeah. SEC. So uh, uh, speaks to the uh, the quality of the league. And um, yeah, this is obviously with uh, with that, with those final, well, not final schools, those schools are rumored to be in the lead. I think that, uh, you know, Florida is going to get to see them a lot, whether it's on their, uh, on their campus or, uh, or play against yeah, them. You, you, listeners, you will see this kid play basketball a lot in the next three to four years. <laughs> um and he's the one that's the he's now a consensus four star, uh, but his overall ranking is kind of like Eric said, all over the place, anywhere from almost the top fifty player to a top two hundred player. Um, there's a couple guys that are not consensus four stars; they're consensus three stars that have four star ratings at Rivals, um, and one has four star ratings at ESPN as well, but um, only a three star rating at twenty four seven. That one is Lynn Greer the third. Uh, who's a point guard. He'll be visiting Florida September 7th. Um, recently announced it. He did recently drop a top five. Uh, his top five was Florida, Miami, Wake Forest, Indiana, and Villanova. Uh, the last name, if it raised your eyebrows, it should raise mine. <laughs> um, and his dad was an All-American who played for John Chaney at Temple. Yeah, he's got the pedigree, and, and people who watch him play love him. Um, he's he's another one with just uh, a feel for the game that uh, I would say you don't normally see, I guess. From uh, I really like um, it, from young players. So, yeah, oh, totally. I mean, I, I think once again, you see it. You see a player that just like seems to think the game like him, but also has a little bit of the uh, of the flash that you you see from just you know elite kids, and um, there's lots there. So, um, you yeah, you seem to be passionate. I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I mean, I just think. Uh he plays with that quiet confidence. Um, he's, he's a good, a really good passer, but doesn't, you know, it's like, it's totally different than, than watching Carter Witt, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a basketball. He's, he's a, you can tell he's a trained basketball player. Uh, there's not much playground to him, but it doesn't mean that he can't make a flashy pass. Um, I, I think his weaknesses are really kind of like what Andrew Nimhart's are or were, um, that you know and his are maybe even a little more magnified because he's six one so when you're six one and you're not really a plus shooter um you know that can be a little difficult uh but i think look uh he's fast and his dad was an all-american and you know he's good and it's it's just interesting to me he's not going to temple but uh i guess everybody's kind of waiting to see what aaron mckee does yeah well i think that well Actually, one of one of Taj's tweets teammates is going to Temple, I believe. So, um, anyways, they, it seems like they've got some a couple interesting players already at Temple. But yeah, um, at the same time, I mean, with all due respect to uh, to Temple, I mean, I I would hope that when you've got Florida and some other uh, some other good Power Fives on the on the offer list, that you uh, yeah, that maybe Temple doesn't win out, uh, even with the dad's history there. Yeah, and his only um, he's gonna do. It looks like he's got a September seventh to Florida, and a September twenty eighth to Villanova setup. So. There's his visits, and we'll see what happens. But if you're on Jay Wright's radar and you play point guard, you're probably pretty good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so. That's another one. <laughs> did you have Did you have one more on the visits? Oh, here? Miles Stute is going to visit Florida September 20th. Another guy that's kind of an undersized four. It's like the theme of the day. Um, I don't even know if he's really a four. His size, quite honestly, he seems more like a guy who – plays the four but probably should play the three in may in college but maybe there's an athleticism deficit that prevents that from happening i don't know a ton about his games 
his game rather um other than you know it's just another guy that it appears to be kind of an sec battle with brad brunell of clemson like lurking on the outside trying to get in there um and he's from dc and he's from a really good basketball factory school uh, gonzaga high yeah, no kidding. Uh, once again, just uh, since we talked about these kind of basketball powerhouses, it's interesting to see all these players that are uh, are from them. And also, it's it's interesting to see the uh, the range of how they are rated by these recruiting services because I do think it makes them a little bit of a tougher um, kind of recruiting scenario sometime when the, when their teams are so good. Um, but yeah, that that do you have any other kind of further thoughts on him right now for Florida staff? You know, I really don't have much more other than like. In, in all honesty, Florida is probably – because I've seen a couple of the visits that are lined up, and it looks like he's got a Vanderbilt visit lined up um, the week after the Florida visit. And, you know, otherwise, like, I mean, this is a guy that, like, had a Davidson visit this summer. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, his, his situation, it's kind of all over the place. It is, and I, I've got one more visit to mention that just uh, yeah, just up. was on Twitter this morning. Um, this is also one of my guys, uh, Kwasi Reeves. Um, he's a 2021, um, and uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I interviewed him maybe two summers ago when he was you know really young, and he had just gotten his first uh, you know his first offer, and that was to Florida. And um, you know he's got a lot of Power Five offers. Um, if you go to look at his Twitter, his pinned tweet remains um, Florida's tweet, or you know his tweet when he said that Florida offered him. Um, when I interviewed him, um, his dad runs a uh, runs a website that's really good for, for kind of Middle Georgia basketball recruiting, and uh, so I talked to his dad and and I'll, and him as well. And yeah, just a really good kid. And I think that you know his dad has coached basketball, uh, you know, one of uh, his whole life, and uh, you just kind of see that in the way that he plays. Um, he's not big. You know, he's a little bit of maybe like kind of the Noah Locke mold of like a six-two shooting guard. So he is undersized, but a very intelligent player. And um, yeah, anyways, he's uh, he's got visits to uh, to Florida, to Clemson, to Auburn, and, and Alabama. That's from Jake Weingarten. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I think he's really loved Florida since they were his first offer. Um, his dad is uh, very intelligent, and he seems to really like Florida. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to talk to him again soon and, and see where he, see where they stand. But um, yeah, that was just like very recent that I just saw that he tweeted out, and that's why. No, I like um, it. Rare, rare recruiting news, uh, you know, that I get to a little bit before you, but just to, just because I follow him and his father. But um, actually, I've got a question for you. Neil. Yeah, hit me up. Um, this 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 is big. Um, then maybe afterwards, after you can. Uh, you should talk about uh, – we can talk schedule maybe quick about uh, Charleston Classic and uh, yeah. Utah State. But uh, um, what is your favorite website for recruiting rankings slash coverage? What is your – what do you find to be your, your favorite? So – and I don't want to upset anybody because I know, like, we have some 24-7 guys that listen to the show. And I think uh, in particular, like, Thomas Goldcamp is, is one of the most trustworthy beat writers in the country. And Florida fans should be thankful that, that they have him. Um, so shout out to UTG, but uh, Rivals is a better basketball recruiting site. <laughs> okay, um, I like that, it. That's kind of my take, and and it's not it's not even that. Like I think nationally, the twenty four seven guys do a good job. Um, I just think what we hit what that Russ Wood works for Rivals, and he just has been working in Florida so long that you know, so you get a lot of. Uh, a lot of really good southeastern coverage from Russ and and that gang, and so that's kind of my take on that. Uh, you know, it's not a route, but but I prefer uh, I prefer rivals first in the recruiting area. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Uh, yeah, like I I would probably say twenty four seven. I I think I think we can probably agree that ESPN is the the least of them. <laughs> but, for sure, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, and and I think that they they're. Uh, their northeast bias and like west coast bias is just like baffling to me. Yeah, it's um, bad. I, I think I well, I should. I don't think it's major, but it's enough that you notice it. And uh, the end, uh, um, it's just like when when the southeast is just kind of like consistently churning out the best players. It's just like weird when I see like mediocre guys like going to go play for like Saint Bonaventure in the top one hundred <laughs> over. But but anyways, um, and and also oh, the other thing about ESPN is they will only rank kids from American high schools, which uh, you know really does do do a lot of it. Right. But um, a, but again, I'm not trying to be a huge homer, but like uh, every year that there there's probably um, ten or fifteen guys playing in the uh, playing in Canada that are like 
top 100, 150 guys on Rivals and 24-7, and they just don't get referenced on on, on ESPN because they just don't do anything that's outside of it's outside of America. So therefore like that can really throw off some of your ratings. I would say like, especially last year where um, the other two services had five Canadians in the top 25 and ESPN just doesn't, well, that really starts to like sway the ranking of your, of your top guys. So um, yeah, I, I was just interested and I'm just good to hear. And yes, Russ Wood um, is awesome. So uh, Florida is just very lucky to have him because he has brought some heat over the last few years. He's really good. Yeah. Super good. Um, so and and in addition to to this year's podcast was one of the guys that I thought wasn't too crazy and prognosticating ridiculous things on the uh Kerry Blackshear situation so um definitely a great resource for Gators fans also uh Jason Kessler since we're just shouting people out um you know I mean Jason just he doesn't have a web page other than his Twitter page but uh, definitely when something's about to happen in recruiting, a lot of times Jason tips me off and I appreciate that. And he definitely is somebody that knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Jason honestly works hard. Like Jason knows much more about recruiting than me. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> um, he, and I think he works a lot harder at it than um, a lot of people that, um, yeah, that, uh, that covered the team and covered <laughs> recruiting. So Jason, Jason really is like, he puts out a big board with like visits and stuff and it's, it's incredible. So it's very helpful. And he's a big, he's um, a big fan of Lynn Greer. Oh, that's true. He definitely is. So, yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, we could just keep shouting people out. I whoever else, whoever else you need to give a shout out to, that's it. Could fire more off. Uh, shout out to Nick Nurse for playing Andrew Nimhard. Um, so we also have uh, we also have to talk about the the schedule to wrap things up, and I think um, Utah State was the one game we didn't get to. It's the Orange Bowl Classic. So, any thoughts on what I think is another tough game? This is a tough game. I mean, this is a team that was uh, uh, was really good last year and bring, kind of brings everyone back. I mean, there's a quick way to see how uh, how good a team is going to be. Um, I, I think that um, yeah, obviously Nemus Keda, he was someone who got a lot of uh, got a lot of NBA buzz. Uh, some people were surprised to see him come back. Um, uh, and then obviously Sam Merrill was a guard that was uh, was really really impressive. He's kind of make things makes things go for them, and they're just a, just a team that was really really effective um, offensively last year. Could really really score the ball, um, but also I feel like they were probably a little bit underrated because a lot of the talk was about hey they can um, yeah they can uh, they can really score, but their their defensive numbers are pretty good. Um, and uh, this was a team that obviously like beat Nevada, um, which is you know so did Florida I guess, but uh, <laughs> you know they played a t- you know played a similar game, but. Um, this is where Nevada was. Uh, uh, well, actually, Nevada also hammered them, I believe, earlier in the year. But, anyways, um, uh, I would say Utah State is unquestionably like the team that uh, that people think is going to win the Mountain West, um, which is going to be a little bit better of a league this year than it was last year. Um, uh, here's my kind of like uh, take, I guess, is I I think this is probably going to be a quad one game. If if I think there's yeah, I think there's a good chance it's a quad one game. I think that. Uh, Utah State's numbers are going to be really good, and, and it'll be up there. So this is a chance for a sneaky, really good win. Um, or like you were saying, this could be a tough game and uh, and could be a sneaky, tough loss. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of stole my thunder there. Uh, with, oh. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, that's that's what happens sometimes. Um, you know, I look, I think, it's, I think it's probably going to be a quad one game. I think more interestingly to me is that it's also like a 7-10 game. And I think if Florida – if you look at Florida as a team that is probably on that two or three line, this is precisely the type of team you play in the second round on a neutral floor. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, that, yeah, that's much better than me being able to decipher that it's probably quad one. I didn't really think about that. Um, but, yeah, and, and this is another team that is going to um, – uh, what's getting – like you were talking about those kind of teams in that range that's going to play a little bit of uh, uh, some different defenses – um, they, they, they mix in a lot of different zones and a lot of kind of weird stuff. Once again, they've got, um, you know, Nemus Keda in the middle of things as a center who's uh, near seven foot and can move decently. So, um, that all, kind of gives them the chance to play, uh, uh, chance to play some kind of, um, some different kind of offenses or sorry, different kind of defenses knowing they've got him in the back. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that it'll be, a um, be a good chance to see, uh, see a team like, you know what, like Florida is going to see Baylor obviously later and Baylor's a team that always kind of like can confuse teams by the, the way that they play defense. And while I'm not quite saying Utah state is, is Baylor, they might be like the Baylor of the mountain West. 
um, in the way that they uh, um, they're kind of underrated offensively and also just like change defenses. But um, actually, you know what? They are like Baylor a lot because, you know, Baylor's defense, their, their defensive numbers are actually nowhere near like they're always good defensive numbers. They're never like excellent defensive numbers, but then you watch them play and you're like, Oh man, this is really confusing. And they just like frustrate teams. And uh, yeah, Florida could have one of those games if they come up flat. So uh, this is one that I'm kind of, yeah, sneakily looking forward to. Yeah. And Sam Merrill uh, is awesome. By the way. Yes. They're, they're uh, point guard who is like their heartbeat. Uh, is a really, really good basketball player. Um, so you know, another challenging game, and, and Florida's schedule. Here's what I'll say, because we don't have the SEC list yet, but it can kind of concluding today's show. I think Florida's scheduled better this year. Um, I think they scheduled smarter, and what you end up with is a slate full of games that are very winnable for a young team, um, but don't hurt your computer numbers, which that's where you want to be. Yeah, I thought the schedule was really smart, and I think that Utah State might be – on the neutral floor might be like one of the smartest games in terms of just like, yeah, I, I think there's a whole lot of power five teams that wish that they could be playing Utah state on a neutral floor. <laughs> like this is just like, I, these are just like the juiciest, juiciest games for your computer numbers. So um, yeah, well done to whoever got that done or, you know, I don't know what role Florida played or how that exactly works with an event like this, but however it worked, I'm very happy with it. Yep. It's pretty good. Uh, we will have the Rob Duster show probably the end of this month. Um, we're kind of like on the every couple of weeks schedule right now until things heat up. But, you know, football season is starting soon. So you guys aren't going to miss us that much. I <laughs> uh, enjoyed this week. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>